If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good evening to all of my fellow Yankee fans and welcome to episode 19 of the Yapping Yankees podcast where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this now sunny Sunday evening, October 27th, 2019. It's really odd. The weather was honestly terrible the entire day up until about an hour and a half ago. And now the sun's out, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, how are you today? Experiencing Yankees withdrawal like me? Well... It's okay, we'll get through it together as we do every miserable winter. <laughs> but also, I'm rocking the new microphone again. This, this is the second time I'm using it. Got fantastic feedback on the way it sounded when I used it for the first time. I believe it was three episodes ago. So here we go again with it. But before we get into it, let's get started by, as always, giving our first of many shout-outs to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. So, it is the offseason for the Yankees, guys, and as I mentioned, each episode for the remainder of the offseason, except maybe if a huge move happens or if a huge move is made and there's tons to talk about because of that, well, of course, they'll be significantly shorter than the ones during the season or postseason as there's just naturally less to talk about. But I'm still going to be churning out an episode each Sunday for you, no question about it. We're still going to have a good time here on Yappin' Yankees. I'm going to get guests on here eventually, as you know. I'm very close to getting this show on Spotify as well, so the show will continue to keep growing. So, now let's continue on with this episode, this probably what will be a shorter episode of Yapping Yankees, as I just said, by going right over to Instagram and Twitter to talk about this week's poll. This is mainly how I interact with you guys, as you know. It's a lot of fun, and I just really... I really enjoy coming up with the new questions each week, and I, I, I do feel like it really creates some good conversation between everybody on, you know, on, in the comments of them, on, on the polls and everything. I see everybody talking to one another and talking about which answer they feel is correct, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to do. We'll start off with Instagram, because Instagram usually gets less traffic, so we'll, we'll get through that faster, and then we'll end with Twitter. So, this week's poll question, guys, was... Which do you feel is a bigger need for the Yankees this offseason after the way 2019 ended? Now, I came up with this question because it's really the first real full weekend of the offseason. We've had over a week to absorb the fact that the Yankees are done for 2019. And, you know, so this is really the first big offseason question I wanted to throw at you guys for the first real offseason episode of Yapping Yankees. So, the choices are contact or situational hitters. And the second choice is elite starter or starters. Now, I know the reason I, I chose these choices is because I know people may choose one of these based on just their personal opinion. Because if you if you really look at the question, it says based on how 2019 ended. Now, if you look at the way 2019 ended, 
in the American League Championship Series between the Yankees and the Astros, we all know the real reason why the Yankees lost a series that they very well could have won, which could have led to them very well being in the World Series against the Nationals right now, as opposed to the Astros. And that was the fact that the Yankees extremely lacked to come up with that big hit in big situations, with runners in scoring position, with traffic on the bases in general. They just struggled to come up with those big hits. And that's basically that basically was the big dagger in the American League Championship Series. And it made it that much more irritating to deal with because, as we know, that was a department that the Yankees were so successful in throughout the entire season. They always hit with runners in scoring position. They were one of the best teams in the league at doing it. And they never, they never really had any trouble, especially led by guys like Gio Urshela, DJ LeMahieu especially. And just, uh, you know, of course, with the power in the middle of the lineup as well, the next man up guys, they just never seemed to have any trouble whatsoever with getting that big hit throughout the regular season, and even in the first round against the Twins. But then in the American League Championship Series, they just decided to just, I don't know, of course they didn't decide to do it, but... They, they just stopped hitting when it mattered in big situations, and that was a big dagger. But, of course, the big issue that it seems the Yankees have mainly dodged for many recent years, of course, is the fact that they have not been able to acquire any major elite starting pitchers. Now, no matter what the reason may be from Brian Cashman or what the organization says, you know, regardless of what it is, the Yankees have not acquired an elite starting pitcher. That's a fact. Now, when it comes to the reasoning as to why they did that, I actually have a clip for you later that we're going to play with Brian Cashman in his off-season press conference that he had a few days ago, and things with he and Sweeney Murdy got a little intense. <laughs> no yelling or anything, of course, but it was, it was a good conversation between the two of them, and I have a clip to play for you later from it because I want you to hear it in case you didn't. But again, you'll hear, you'll hear from Cashman in that clip if you haven't already. And they have their reasons as to why they didn't get starters like Corbin or Cole or Verlander. They have their reasons, whether it be valid or not. But the fact of the matter is, again, a lot of people feel that they have not acquired the necessary elite starting pitcher that requires them to get to the the World Series and win that championship. So I I felt like these two choices were were really good choices because I know a lot of people feel really passionately about the way that there was no situational hitting going on in the the ALCS— And I know a lot of people feel passionate about them not acquiring that elite starting pitcher or those elite starting pitchers, plural, to go all the way. So I thought those were two really good choices. On Instagram, it went out like this. Lots of voting, and it resulted in 17% voting for contact and situational hitter and 83% voting for elite starter or starters. So it seemed like a pretty big landslide, at least on Instagram. And we had two replies to this, both friends of my brother, so you both get shout-outs as always, guys. First up is Matt Schwartz.14. Matt said, defense wins championships. It all starts with pitching. Even look at the last game of the ALCS, Chapman with a terrible pitch that should have been in the dirt. Well, I, I think the Yankees lost for many other reasons, Matt, than just Chapman's slider to Altuve to allow that walk-off in the bottom of the ninth of Game 6. But you make a, you make a point, I guess. But So I guess he definitely elects with the pitching he lines with there. And then up next, my, my also a very good friend of my brother's also made that really, that really clutch prediction. I believe it was in game one of the ALCS. He predicted Stanton's home run in the sixth inning. 
Tegan Graham 23. Tegan says, this is going to be a short one, but an important one. DJ was always a contact hitter, and you saw what he did in Yankee Stadium. He took advantage of the deep gaps and adjusted his swing. Another contact hitter could do that for us. So I guess Tegan is aligning with the contact and situational hitter choice. So those are the replies I got on Instagram. As you know, most of the replies I get are definitely on Twitter. That's definitely the popular spot for most interaction, as that's where I have the biggest following, and I, and I speak to you guys all the time on there. And before I get to the Twitter poll, I do want to continue to thank you guys because the Twitter polls in the last few weeks have gotten an unbelievable amount of votes and the traffic has just been great. I've gotten as many, the the last poll I think got about 150 replies and there were a few of them that came in after I recorded the last episode, so unfortunately not all of them got their shout out. But regardless, even the one before that and even the one before that got around 100 replies, all of them have gotten around 600 votes, which is really cool. And this one today has around 300, which is a little lower, but it's still plenty. Still plenty to get at least accurate results. I mean, no doubt about that. And I've still gotten a healthy amount of replies, anywhere from like 40 to 50, I believe. So we'll get to this now, but first I'll give you the results, of course, regarding the same exact question with the same exact choices. Which do you feel is a bigger need for the Yankees this offseason after the way 2019 ended? First choice, of course, contact and situational hitter. And the second choice, of course, as the same as Instagram, being elite starter or starters. And the same result came to be with the Twitter poll. The elite starter or starters choice won 79% to 21%. So again, a pretty big landslide here on Twitter. So it's pretty obvious what a lot of Yankee fans are thinking. Of course, there are some out there that want them to get uh, even another contact hitter like DJ LeMayhew so that they don't choke again like that in the playoffs come next year if they're to make it. But there are a lot of people that just have had enough with the Yankees not necessarily going for that humongous starting pitcher that could really make the difference. So we'll get we'll just go right into the replies right away. We'll start off with Tony Walker at Krang44. I'm going to say pitcher because if we were actually healthy going in, the hitting results may have been different. You're not wrong there. That's it's hard to argue with either side honestly. They both make good points, but let's keep going. At NYY underscore Kate, I should get a shout-out just because I'm awesome and came all the way over here to visit with y'all. Now, I just wanted to give Kate a shout-out for this comment because Kate did come here. She's a Yankee fan from Australia, and she came all the way over here to spend time with me and a few others from Yankees Twitter, and we had a blast in the city. It was a lot of fun. So, Kate, thanks for coming over, and thanks for commenting on the, on this on this poll, even though it wasn't regarding one of the choices, but Kate has replied to plenty of my polls, so I'm glad to give her a shout-out, even though it didn't regard the poll this time. But Kate, thank you for coming all the way over. You're awesome, as always. At RobRodTech00, another DJ. Clutch hitter and hard worker with respect and a walk-the-talk attitude. Now, I definitely think the walk-the-talk attitude is definitely true because, you know, DJ just being the one that wants to never really celebrate anything good and just go back and watch some film. <laughs> uh, of course, DJ gets happy. I'm sure he's not a total robot. But there's no doubt about the fact that he's just very concentrated on getting the job done and... And, and just really just honed in on just going to work and just doing what he's got to do. It's respectable. At Big Thinking 25, I say elite starter, but also situational hitting is crucial. I say we also try for a base stealer. Now, for a base stealer, I think, you know, if Tyler Wade gets better with the bat as he did for a portion of the 2019 season, I think Tyler Wade 
could be a pretty big base stealer on a regular basis. I mean, I on this Yankees team, I, I mean, it depends on what happens this offseason, of course, whether they keep or let Didi go, what they do at the first base decision with Edwin and Voigt, and what happens with Andujar, and what, you know, with Gio. It, it, a lot of it depends on the infield. But, you know, a lot of what might happen also depends on Tyler Wade's role with the 2020 Yankees. And if he has a bigger role with the team, there's your base stealer right there. Tyler Wade is one of the faster runners in the game, I think. He's he's a bullet. So just a little food for thought there. I don't know. <laughs> At Laura underscore Icemont. Laura, another good friend of mine on Twitter. This is tough because we need both to some degree, which is true. The one I picked was elite pitcher. We need someone to go deep into the game so the bullpen isn't exposed every day. I find it hard to disagree with that too because, you know, I think it is such a thing as an opposition, an opposing team rather, seeing a bullpen or certain pitchers too often and just getting accustomed to them and just doing damage off them. And I think maybe a starter going deeper into a game could could possibly fix that issue if they're going deeper into games, seven, maybe even eight innings on a consistent basis. So I think that's definitely fair. At TB Yankees fan, judging from just this postseason and 2017, the answer has to be situational hitter, but overall, I think an ace is a bigger need. Now, Thomas is right at TB Yankees fan because, of course, in the prior postseasons, a, a big reason for a lot of their losses has been because the hitters just haven't been coming through in the playoffs at times and in crucial, crucial moments. As he said, even going back to 2017, there were a lot of games in that postseason where the offense wasn't really, they weren't really overwhelming by any state in a, in a lot of those games either. So, and even in this, you know, as I talked about in last week's episode of Yapping Yankees, there were all the stats from the ALCS report against the Astros, and the pitching on the Yankees' behalf was actually good, which further supports the argument that it was really, for the most part, it was it was really the hitting that didn't come through in the crucial situations that really buried the Yankees. So I think that's what Thomas says. You know, again, another comment basically saying, I think there's a need for both, but at the end, the point of this poll is to choose one choice. And I think an ace is definitely a fair choice to go with. My lovely girlfriend at Vic Salimo's up next. She says, I believe we already have great situational hitters. They came through all year and just fell asleep in the postseason. We've always needed elite starters, in my opinion. That's definitely true as well. Another choice for elite starting pitching. A lot of people want that Strasburg, that Garrett Cole. Or whomever. Just an elite starter. Up next we have at VR Srinath. He says, Elite starters help save those magic relief pitchers for a real for a real need and make them even better. RPs are more effective when teams don't see them often. RPs meaning relief pitchers. So that's another one. Another person preaching the fact that they could really save the relief pitchers from other teams seeing them too often. So they could come back. So they could come out and possibly be even more effective. My good friend James Celestin at Anime Soldier One contact hitters, man. That was the main reason why we lost. Yankees didn't win with them when they had their chances. So we need contact and situational hitting. So James, another person preaching for the contact hitters. So now up next, let's keep on going. Here we have at C Pizza IA. Both are a huge need. I said, well, then you got to choose. <laughs> so then he said, true, but we were the best in the league during the season with runners in scoring position. 
That's what makes it tough. And that's what I said earlier. And that's what I said last week, too, when I was in my depression state. I was saying what made it even more irritating than just the general fact that the Yankees weren't coming through with runners in scoring position is that it's the fact that that was a department that they were successful in throughout the entire season. That was the department that you could almost take it to the bank that in a big game during the regular season, the Yankees were going to get that hit with the runners in scoring position, which was a breath of fresh air, only to see that come back to haunt the team again when it mattered most in the American League Championship Series, yet again against the Astros. So I agree with that. Bronx Bombers at Yankees guy 93. It has to be elite starter or starters. Our offense showed all season it can hit with runners in scoring position with some of the best numbers in the game regarding that category. Even though our offense let us down in October, our pen was also shot as a result of our starting pitching not getting enough length. All right, there's some more food for thought there. Aaron at Aaron Marie G, a Cole and another DJ. So I guess Aaron's saying both. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> at Julian Guillarte 1, Tough question, but pitching. Gotta hope bats come around. A lot of injuries this year, and guys playing not fully healthy. Also, if Andujar comes back, he can be the contact hitter that bounces out the lineup even more. And we all do know that Andujar, of course, was a big contact hitter, a doubles machine in his rookie year. And we all know how I feel about his rookie year as far as being snubbed for the award. I do still feel that Andujar was the proper rookie of the year, and so do many, many fans around the baseball community still to this day. But that could definitely be a choice. But again, another name, as I mentioned earlier, could be very interesting to see what his role is in 2020. We all know that when it comes to the glove, Gio Urshela is by far better than Andujar. When it comes to the bat... Well, this past season, Gio was even better because Gio was wild. Extremely clutch in every sense of the word. Driving in runs when the Yankees needed. Even showing a little pop with the bat. And of course, a batting average. Really, really nice. Which, and Duhar also had a nice average. And there was no, there were no questions really for me when it came to hitting with Duhar. But with the way Gio Urshela hit, it ought to be interesting how this whole thing plays out to see who has what role in 2020. And the last two years, the third base position has been really complicated with the Yankees because two years in a row now, unexpected names have taken the job of the person that we really expected to have the job throughout the whole season. Back to 2018, last season, you had Brandon Drury. I don't know how many of you may remember this or not in the beginning of the year, but the Yankees had hopes of Brandon Drury being the third baseman. Then Brandon Drury got hurt. And Duhar was called up, had himself a hell of a season, and took Drury's job to the point where Drury wasn't even a Yankee anymore. And then this year, and Duhar getting hurt allowed Gio Urshela, someone who was always known to do nothing at the plate, and basically the only reason he was here was for his glove. He had himself a remarkable season, while Duhar was forced to miss the rest of the year due to surgery on his labrum. And then he, in a sense, in a lot of people's minds now, even Gio Urshela may have taken Andujar's job. So the last two years, the third base position has been just ridden with just people taking each other's jobs. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's true. So again, Julian, I, I, I think a massive determination of it is just what the Yankees infield looks like come 2020 with a lot of moves potentially being made or not made 
this offseason regarding infielders. Are they going to bring Didi back or not? What are they going to decide about Gio Urshela? Or giving Enduar's job back? What's going to happen at first base with Voigt and, and Edwin? What's going to happen? Because that can determine who's going to play DH or who can play wherever, because I know a lot of people want to throw a first baseman's mid at Andujar as well. That could happen. But again, it all depends. So I, I like that mention of Andujar, and we shall see what happens. At Laker 477, top line starting pitching must be a priority. I have full confidence in our offense to do their job. But if the Yankees are going to win it all, they need quality starting pitching. All right. At Lay North Snobby, <laughs> we need more innings. All the positions are full. Not sure why people expect more hitters to join the party. Our starters only pitched 778 innings this season. Good for 26th place. You will never win anything important like that. That's a good reply, especially when stats are involved there. That's a good stat to give there, men. I, I tip the cap there on that one. At Kenya underscore Simone 17. Pitching would be a great thing to enhance. I think we already have some great hitters. They just had a really bad postseason run. Would I be opposed to another bat? No. But adding a pitcher who can go the distance and get it done would be nice. The bullpen gets worked sometimes. And I definitely agree. I mean, we might we may have seen some of that with Adovino's struggles. And I don't know how many of you would agree with me or not. But honestly, if you guys want to do me a favor and... And just flash, flash back a little bit with me to the beginning of the 2019 season. You may remember, towards the beginning part of the year, Ottavino was used a disgusting amount of times. And I was saying early on, I was saying, I, I hope this doesn't burn him out come later in the season. And of course, Ottavino did great for about five and a half months of the year. Then throughout most of September and into the playoffs, he was a train wreck. So could it just be he couldn't handle it when it mattered on the big stage? Could it be that the first half of the year, especially the beginning part of the year, could have tired him out? I think anything's possible, but it's something to think about. So I definitely understand the reasoning behind that reply, Kenya. At Medic968, we lost the ALCS because we didn't take advantage of situations with runners in scoring position, but honestly, center field is the only position open because of the Hicks injury, maybe first base. Pitching will be the best available talent in the free agent market, and that is what I would pursue. And I'm going to build off that comment at Medic968. Your name is Eric Albert. Thank you, Eric, for the reply. I'm going to build off your comment and reiterate something that I mentioned that Evan Roberts on the fan mentioned. And it's, really, it's a really good thing to talk about because even Evan mentioned the fact that when it comes to elite pitchers being on the free agent market, it doesn't happen often. If Strasburg opts out, you're going to have both him and Garrett Cole on the market. When does that happen? When you get names like that on the market? Not often, guys. That's why a comment like Eric and a comment like Evan on the fan, those are accurate comments. So maybe with those two names that, that could be on the market come the offseason, could you really pass that up? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what Brian Cashman and the Yankees do. At MEG underscore NYC. Starters. One team outpitched the other in the ALCS. Both teams hit dismally. One allowed 
more runs to score than the other. I love our bullpen, but you can't rely on all the guys to be on at the right time. The way you should be able to rely on an ace. And if you actually look, I believe I believe the starters at ERA was actually was actually better on the Yankees' behalf. I think I still have the picture here. Yeah, I do. The starters ERA in the ALCS, the Yankees beat them. The Yankees had a 266 starters ERA. Opposed to the Astros 290 starters ERA in the ALCS. So there's a stat for you to think about. But good good reply, Emmy, and thank you for the reply as well as I thank all of you. At the Rick 4444. I voted hitter, although I believe they are equally important. Judge, Edmund Encarnacion, Voigt, Stanton, Sanchez, Hicks are all the same hitter. We need another LeMahieu type player, preferably with speed. Said player would lead off. LeMahieu, then Judge. A Lorenzo Cain type player. And get Cole. That's fair. At Dwight Rodwell, honestly, we need both. A lot of people just saying both, I guess. A little bit indecisiveness. <laughs> so then we have, oh boy, this is this is an ad and a half. Chuck McKay, at CMC K-Boy Chuck. It's obvious we need another elite starter, but we also need an attitude adjustment with runners in scoring position. Okay, Chuck. At Dingerball Pod C1, the Yankees have all the hitters they need. Everyone knows that great pitching wins postseason games. Then we had at Galindo Tim. The perfect trade partner is Reds, Luis Castillo and Votto, who got like three, four, three or four years left on his deal in exchange for Voight, Frazier, and prospects. Okay. Well, the, obviously, Luis Castillo was a hot topic during the trade deadline when the Yankees remained idle. When they didn't acquire their starter that they came under heavy fire for from a lot of the Yankees community. So let's keep on going here with the replies. At Knuckleball Lady. While we do need more DJ type of hitters, I feel like it's more important to have a proven elite ace pitcher who can give length besides just be lights out the majority of the time. Alright. So let's keep going. At Joseph Zampano, no amount of pitching can overcome this stat with runners in scoring position. And then he, he posted a picture. I'll read what's in the picture. It's, it's a couple of paragraphs. After going 3-for-11 with, with runners in scoring position and stranding seven runners in their 7-0 victory in Game 1, the Yankees went 1-for-16 with runners in scoring position and stranded 26 in the next three games, all losses. Overall, at the plate in those games, the Yankees were, were 16-for-103 with 32 strikeouts. And in Game 4, the Yankees went 0-for-7 with runners in scoring position and left 10 on base. So that, that's that's a good stat to reply with, Joseph. At Mike Rosen to you. It's obvious. Good pitching beats good hitting every time. And that's a stat that we, or just an opinion that we hear all the time in the Yankees, or just in the baseball community overall. Then we have at SV DeCaps. Change two or three at-bats and have guys like Stanton, Sanchez, Edwin Healthy not coming off the IL and getting thrown right into the playoffs, and the Yanks win the series. Starters were 26th in innings pitched. That's not good at all. Now, I know I do know that there were some people that were quoting the, the poll and replying to it, so I'll try to find a reply or two from people that quoted the tweets, because uh, I'm extra nice. I don't just, you know, 
I don't miss. I don't. I try not to miss as many replies as I possibly can. And there was one guy that that quoted the tweet at Glaber MVP. I'm still gonna give you a shout out. Said this is just silly that you would even even ask a question like this. I don't really know why that's silly. I mean, I did get a lot of replies with varying opinions, so I don't really understand why that would be silly. And why you would feel a need to quote the tweet saying that it was silly when you could just scroll past it if you think it's silly. But we'll leave that for another day. Just people on Twitter, as always, just being annoying, I guess. So let's keep scrolling here. I'll try to find another one that quoted the tweet. I know that there was at least one more. Yeah, here's here's another one. So we had at Jacob Gabba said, Definitely an elite starter. Bats were dead in ALCS, but that's not because we didn't have a good lineup. In fact, we had the best lineup during the regular season. The Yankees just need a starter to put them over the edge that can match the other MLB aces. So that's another good reply. And here's the last one, the quoted, the other quoted tweet that I'm recalling. At C North B Ball, hitters can be taught to become better contact hitters. Elite pitchers are hard to come by. Need to rely on more than one elite pitcher to win championships. So that seems to be all the replies, and I do want to thank all of you again that replied and interacted. Of course, this is a big part of the podcast. I love talking to each and every one of you, and it's just it's just great. Thank you all for replying and interacting on the polls, as always. So now that that's out of the way, there's not too much left to go here on the Apping Yankees podcast here on episode 19, of course, since it is the offseason after all. But we do have some Yankees news to get to, and I did want to play you that Brian Cashman clip from his offseason press conference and just go in a little bit on what he and Boone really had to say to recap the 2019 season and how it ended more or less. But the first major piece of Yankees news and really the, the big piece of news from this past week that came out was the Aaron Hicks news. And this was... This was mentioned in one of the replies to my poll, and the news is is that he's getting Tommy John surgery after all on that elbow, that he still came back to play through in the postseason, which was admirable, but he is getting surgery on it in the offseason, and he will be out 8 to 10 months. So he's going to miss a bit of a chunk of the 2020 season, and as mentioned in one of the replies in the polls, we'll see how that shakes up the outfield. I certainly think... It earns Gardner another year on the Yankees with Hicks being out. But that is definitely a big piece of news because, you know, since the Yankees gave Aaron Hicks that seven-year deal, he's been ridden with injuries. And he's been he's been injury-prone throughout a lot of his career. There's no doubt about that. But especially since the Yankees gave him that seven-year contract, he just seemed he just can't seem to get out of the woods with with these injuries. And Tommy John surgery is a big deal. That's that's exactly what Didi had to get done last offseason, and that's what kept him out until early June in the 2019 season. So we'll see the timetable for Aaron Hicks, see if he comes back around the same time, if he gets back sooner rather than later, or maybe he'll miss more time and come back in July or August-ish. We'll see. So that timetable is definitely, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Eight to ten months is kind of vague. You know, there's a lot of, that's a big window, two months of a window in between that, eight to ten months. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with Aaron Hicks there, but speedy recovery as always. Hope it doesn't take too much time for that elbow to heal Aaron. And as mentioned before, the Yankees did really have their off-season press conferences, mainly Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. I'll, I'll get to Aaron Boone first because there's less really controversy with that. And, 
you know, he was basically just asked the questions right off the bat. What do you feel about the season? Was it necessarily a failure? Because, of course, players like Aaron Judge and some others came out and said, you know, the season's a failure. We didn't win a championship, and that's just the way it is. And a lot of fans, even myself, appreciate that sort of honesty because when you don't win a championship, you know, what do you play for? You play to win. So if you don't win a championship, then you failed at your goal. And yeah, I'm not gonna pre- I'm not gonna sit here and pretend because you know I I've I've reiterated this on past episodes. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that there was nothing special about the 2019 season. The 2019 season was filled with endless, remarkable, memorable moments that will stick in the minds of Yankee fans that witnessed them forever. But the fact of the matter is, the goal of the Yankees when the season starts, as always, is to win it all. They didn't win it all in 2019. They haven't won it all in 10 years. So the season to many was were, was a failure. So Aaron Boone was given that question, and and he he kind of had a tough time answering it. He was there, he was quiet about it at first, and he said, you know, it's a tough question because he basically said exactly what I said. The season was filled with so many incredible moments from an incredible team that battled through so many obstacles and hardships that should never be forgotten or underappreciated. But at the same time, we failed at our goal, winning the World Series. So he was kind of in the middle on it, kind of like the way I am. So I, I definitely understand where he's coming from that from that point of view. And, and you know, how it could be difficult to answer a direct question like that. And, and I probably would have had a similar response. But he also reiterated, you know, and, and Boone is, of course, a player's manager. He's always going to have the players back. You saw that even after the Yankees lost in Game 6. He was going through the locker room, really just reassuring all the players and giving them hugs and, and giving them words of encouragement and kindness. And so he's a player's manager, whether you like that or not. It's just the way he is. So he went out in that offseason press conference and continued to just really show support for support and appreciation for the players saying that he really admired everything that they were able to accomplish in the regular season despite everything they had to go through. So, that's basically more or less Boone's press conference. He went in a little bit more talking about how proud he is of individual players and talking about certain other aspects. But the press conference that caught my eye and, and, the, and the eyes of many other Yankee fans around the Yankee community was that of Brian Cashman. Because Brian Cashman was asked many more direct questions, of course, because every time the Yankees don't win, he gets put under fire saying, oh, do you think you could have done anything else to ensure more of a victory and more of a solid path to to a championship? So he was put under fire, especially by the likes of Sweeney Murdy. Now, I know a lot of people... Look at Sweeney Murdy as someone who just likes to stir the pot a bit. And I, I think he was definitely stirring it in this press conference when he was a part of the media asking Brian Cashman his questions. And he was just really direct with the questions that he had for him. And I wouldn't go as far to say that things got heated between the two, but there was definitely talking over one another. There was some heated discussion as far as, you know, Cashman just jumping over him and defending his actions. And just Sweeney shooting back with, oh, well, how would you characterize that if it's not this? Or what what would you say it is? Or, you know, so it's just like, it, it was just really, it was somewhat entertaining, honestly. And I think both of them make good points. And and there's there's the issue on passing on starting pitching, which Brian Cash says, hey, I didn't, I didn't pass on starting pitching. You know, some teams just made better offers than I did. But I, I want you to hear it for yourself. So I was able to get the clip. And of course, the clip is brought to you by the Yes Network because the Yes Network are the ones. It was 
it was recorded and broadcasted on the Yes Network, so credit goes to them for this, all credit. And I really just wanted you to hear the dialogue between the two of them because it's really interesting and it, it may or may not give an indication about what the deal is this coming off season because, you know, the luxury tax, tax was mentioned by Brian Cashman and whether that might have an effect on whether they pursue a Garrett Cole in the off season or maybe another situational hitting bat, a contact hitter like DJ LeMayhew. So it's a really interesting dialogue between Sweeney and Cashman. So why don't you, t- I'll play the clip right now. Why don't you take a listen? So again, this is Brian Cashman's off season press conference and he is going back and forth. He's having a back and forth dialogue with Sweeney Murdy here again, brought to you by the Yes Network. Take a listen. Brian, even if you aren't ready to announce any of the personnel changes, were there changes that you made to the process, the evaluation process about the injuries and the rehab situations that you went through this year? Are there anything that you did differently during the course of the year that you can enlighten us on? No. No, it's not something I'm going to address right now. So. Uh, did 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 you actually do things, or you're not? I'm just not going to address any of that right now. Clearly, I have respect for the personnel working in in those environments. Uh, just not going to address it. Clearly, it was an area of, of focus, and it's an area that we are looking into without question. And it's a process that's ongoing. And but I'm not going to address, you know, if anything was changed along the way. But I just acknowledge that yeah, there's areas of concern, areas of problems, areas of focus that we are looking into and have looked into. And if we've made adjustments to certain things along the way in season, I don't feel like I need to address that publicly. There are several starting pitchers over the last few years that you passed on that are in the World Series right now. I didn't pass on them. You didn't? No, I didn't pass on them. How would you characterize it? Well, I guess, why would you characterize it that I passed on them? Were there opportunities to get some of these guys? Give me some specifics. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Patrick Corbin. Justin Verlander uh, was a player, what, two, three years ago that was in play that under our current, if you recall, the payroll structure that we were under was not going to fit in our environment given the uh, directives from above, and that's not blaming ownership on that aspect at all, but we had overspent to a level we're going to be under our payroll and and their the ultimate goal was to get our luxury tax issues we're rewarding our opponents around the game you know back in check so 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 verlander was not passing verlander was not someone that was in play because of those protocols that were in place so that's one so what's the next one but that 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 question had been answered several times over oh, it's it's semantics then as far as what we're describing is why they're not well like if them. you talked about patrick corbin did we not make an offer for patrick corbin yes or no you tell me you know the answer do you not know the answer i was then? told no did uh, you make an offer we made an offer in patrick corbin okay. the washington nationals made us more significant offer than patrick corbin so i don't know who told you no that would be false okay so has Hal or you expressed any regrets? So would you of, categorize that as a pass? I would categorize it as we're arguing semantics, okay. and they're currently not here. All right. So my and question, though, Garrett is— Garrett Cole was traded from Pittsburgh to Houston. Did we make an offer to Pittsburgh for Garrett Cole, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Did that mean we passed on it, or, he, or Pittsburgh made a you, determination? You, you did not they, increase the offer enough to get him, did you? Uh, Houston made an offer that in Pittsburgh's mind was a better offer than ours. You know, these were this is all ancient history, but okay. these are all facts. But that doesn't mean we passed on anything. That my, means we made attempts to try to acquire. My question to you is: categories. Has Hal expressed any regrets over any of these decisions that did not go in your favor over the course of the last couple of years, and, uh, or do you regret anything? I would 
I don't regret our process. And there's certain things in that process that that's controlled and some things that are out of our control in terms of knowledge of, you know, I have no knowledge in free agency of what an opposing team is offering until ultimately it comes out after the signings elsewhere. So, you know, whether it's Dallas Keuchel this summer or, or Patrick Corman this past winter. And, um, you know, it's not like, obviously it's illegal to be calling the other clubs to find out what they're offering. So you don't know until then. So in the Keuchel situation, for instance, which you didn't bring up, but, but I remember I used that, that line of hair by, you know, we lost out by the hair of a chinny chin chin or something like that, which is, it was a very close number from where our offer was, but how would I know that? You know? So, uh, so you put your best foot forward and you live with it. I have no regrets if we have a strong process and we put our best foot forward based on a lot of pressure points and then you live with it. Um, so am I living with that? I'm living with that. Am I comfortable with, with every decision and every thing that we went through our process Our I think we have a strong, healthy process that leads us to, to, to make whatever offers we're making at the time and for good reason and something we can be comfortable with. And, um, you know, so you, you know, you don't get everything you, you want at all times, but I think what we've done is, was do a lot of great things along the way. So, you know, I, I can sleep at night with the process we have in place and it served us well and put us in a position to take a legitimate shot of the championship so far, uh, in the more recent years. And, uh, and that's despite, you know, obviously, you know, some of the, the options that went elsewhere. So again, after that clip's being played, you probably have a lot of thoughts flowing through your mind, but honestly, after hearing that, I kind of understand both sides. I mean, I, I don't, it's tough. I, I don't like the whole luxury tax thing. I mean, I, I guess you have to put that on ownership, but I don't like the whole luxury tax thing because the Yankees have gone over their luxury tax a few times in the last few years. I, I remember specifically they definitely went over it when they signed Masahiro Tanaka to his international contract when they bought him over from Japan. And there have been many times where they've gone over that luxury tax. So if a guy as elite as Garrett Cole were to be on the market, I don't really know how you don't go over the luxury tax for that. Or maybe if there was that one person that you really feel... And again, I'm not sure that there is that one person necessarily that could really make the difference in going to the World Series and winning. Because the Yankees had a few problems throughout the season and throughout the throughout the ALCS. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, if you've gone over the luxury tax more than once in the last few years, you can't go over it again? All the money that the, that the New York Yankees have? I mean, if it comes down to a bidding war between the likes of the Yankees and another organization for Garrett Cole. I mean, the Yankees only have themselves to blame if they lose it. You got to flex your muscle a little bit, I would think. And if you get that opportunity for a big situational hitter and a big contact hitter like that of DJ, then do what you got to do. Because the Yankees are really close. They're so close, it's ridiculous. They, They could easily win next year if they make the proper adjustments. And... Cashman really seems to just be sticking to his guns here. He really just seems to be saying, you know what, I have, I have confidence in the process that we have. I, you know, we'll see what happens with changing anything, and he's not really looking to get into any of that right now. As far as the process when it comes to the staffs of the team and everything, I think the first group of people, as I even mentioned last week, that has to go is the training staff. If at least one person doesn't lose their job in the training staff, I'll be at a loss for words because, quite frankly... <laughs> Those people, those people, with what happened with the Yankees this year, and I, and I get a good degree of the injuries, I understand. 
that a lot of it's just bad luck and their bodies are breaking down at certain points. I get it, but the trainers have to be held responsible to a point saying that, hey, these people are, are mainly responsible for the well-being of these Yankee players and their health. Something's got to be going wrong when you have 30 players going to the injured list and around 40 different injuries. Somebody's got to be held accountable. And I think you're lying to yourself if you're saying otherwise. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just think I think a price needs to be paid when it comes to that process. And I think someone's job should be taken away on the training staff's behalf. I, so I, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with Cashman's attitude of going, yeah, I, I you know, I, I trust our process and, and this and that. Not sure if any changes need to be made. Maybe some changes do need to be made. Because the fact of the matter is, you came up short again. And the goal of the team, whether you like it or not, and and you know if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably saying, oh, Mike, all the positives, this and that. I look at the positives, and I shed light on those positives all the time on this podcast if you're a regular listener. You know that. But the fact of the matter is, whether you like it or not, the last 10 years, the Yankees have come up short. So something needs to be adjusted, Right? I mean, I know a lot of people don't like to look at that, be like, oh yeah, we're this fine, this and that. If just this goes right, then we'll do that, and then we'll get then we'll make it next year. Maybe you're right. But the fact of the matter is, we're still coming up short, is what Sweeney Murdy's saying and what many others are saying. We're still coming up short. So I could definitely see why some people would be frustrated with that sort of a mindset with when Cashman says things like that. I trust our process. Not gonna address that right now. Not sure if we're even going to change anything. Well, then when when is it going to be addressed? So we'll, we'll only see what happens. But I, I just wanted to play that clip as, as I, I know that some of you would probably be interested in that if you hadn't already heard it. Because I know a lot of Yankee fans heard that already. But in case you hadn't, I just wanted to include that. So that's basically all the Yankee news from this week. Of course, it's slowing down a little bit, especially in the midst of the World Series. I assume maybe some things will happen some more after the World Series is over and all of baseball is enthralled into the offseason, including the Astros and the Nationals. But what's ahead as far as, you know, the what's ahead segment? You know, obviously there's no weekly recap, but as far as what's ahead, I figure I'd just update you on the World Series very briefly, of course. Right now, the World Series is tied at two apiece, which makes for some very exciting baseball in just a couple of hours because it's around six o'clock now, the time that I'm recording at the moment. In a couple of hours, World Series Game 5 in Washington will get underway. And I believe it was just announced earlier that Scherzer will not be starting this game. After it was previously stated that this game would be Garrett Cole against Max Scherzer, just like in Game 1. So that would have been a hell of a matchup to see yet again here in Game 5. But apparently Scherzer is struggling with back and neck spasms from what I saw recently, so... That's just terrible. I mean, you have to assume that the pain is really, really bad if he's if he's missing a World Series start because Max Scherzer is usually one of the toughest guys in the game. He's an absolute warrior. I call him the Terminator of baseball, not only because of the eyes, but <laughs> also because of how tough he is. So it has to be bad. But unfortunately for Nationals fans, they're going to miss out on their big guy starting. It's going to be Joe Ross instead against Garrett Cole. So I think that right off the bat kind of gives the Astros the edge. But you're going to be seeing Game 5 tonight, 8.07 p.m. Eastern in Washington. It's the last game in Washington before they go back to Houston after an off day tomorrow for traveling. 
They go back to Houston for Game 6. It'll be Strasburg against Verlander. And if necessary, Game 7 will happen on Wednesday, October 30th. And then, of course, it's time to endure the long and miserable winter season without any baseball. But that's the deal with the World Series right now. It's been really exciting. In games one and two, the Nationals really shocked the world, as they have many times throughout this postseason in this historical run they've been on since the start of the playoffs. They really shocked everybody by beating Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander in Houston in games one and two, with the help of the offense, of course, you know, guys like Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto getting it done, guys all over the place just getting the job done. But then they came home (laughs) and... With Anibal Sanchez on the mound and them facing guys in the likes of Zach Greinke in Game 3, and then in Game 4, you had the Nationals matching up against Urquidy in a a bullpen game, and they lost both of those games after beating Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander in Houston. (laughs) This just goes to show you cannot, you cannot predict baseball. That's baseball, Susan. But listen, that that's when that expression becomes the most valuable because it's true. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Can the can the Nationals handle Garrett Cole again with the help of their home crowd rallying them in the background? I assume it'll be a good game tonight. I hope it is. And then we'll see how Game 6 matches up. And if necessary, Game 7, of course, we like to see baseball go as long as it possibly can. Especially I do. And I don't know if you're watching the World Series out there like I am. But... Me personally, just because I get more and more of it before I have to say goodbye to it for four months. I hope the World Series goes all seven games. I do. So that is the deal with the World Series, guys. And with that being said, that is the end of the Yapping Yankees podcast, episode 19. And I would like to thank you so much for listening. One last shout out, though, to Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Be sure to follow Team Left Jab. And also while you're at it, be sure to follow me, Mike Scudero, on all social media platforms as well. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You could find me on Twitter at Mike Scudero, and you could find me on Instagram at MikeScuds97. So with that being said, guys, once again, thank you 3000 for listening. I'm Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, November 3rd, in the month of November already. It's crazy. When I come at you with episode 20 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, enjoy the rest of the World Series if you've chosen to still watch like myself. Have yourselves a good week, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. Take care, guys.